Lynn Lee is someone who's not afraid to challenge the status quo and push innovation and creative solutions, just part of what makes her so skilled in the technology field. She's a senior technical leader with 15 plus years of experience, known for translating technical concepts and building trust through inclusion, collaboration, and modern technologies to execute transformational digital solutions. All right. Um, our uh, guest today here is uh, Lynn Lee. Um, she is an enterprise delivery application del delivery manager at the Credit Union of Colorado. It's one of the fifth largest uh, credit unions in Colorado. And uh, she leads uh, uh, digital transformation in initiatives at the Credit Union. Uh, Lynn, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. Very excited to speak with you about the digital transformation practice at your place. Uh, why don't we start with uh, a little bit about your background? How long have you been a digital transformation practitioner? Um, and you know, maybe you can give us a little bit of a background about the Credit Union of Colorado. Okay. Pleasure to do it. So my um, I started in IT a while ago. Um, I would say over twenty years. And I was in Oracle, more of an Oracle application DBA slash administrator and kind of made my way through enterprise um, e-business e suite implementations. In fact, I was at RTD for a bit. I don't know if you knew that, David. Um, so I helped RTD implement the Oracle business suite. And I've gone through a lot of um, career in consulting I wore many hats, project management, program management, and now I'm leading digital transformation at Credit Union of Colorado. Um, and how Credit Union is, like Dave said, we're the fifth largest um, uh, in Credit Union Colorado, and we have about 2 billion asset size and 170,000 members. Um, and what's the difference between Credit Union and banking, the regular banking is we are member owned. Um, so we are very intentional and very focused on how we, uh, what initiatives we take on because we know what, what we do operationally impact our members directly through our services. Um, so, and, um, and how I came up with the digital transformation, how it started, that journey started was we were looking to implement a CRM. And during the evaluation process, what we realized is um, what data, what process are we utilizing the CM for? And one of our innovation director did a fabulous job. And we could, we, she did an analysis on the return on investment for the CRM. And what we realized is we need to take a step back to build a business case so that we can justify the, our, the cost of the CRM. And during that journey discussions, we realized we need to focus on data. How do we integrate data? So, did, so the middleware discussions start to enter as part of the decision-making. Um, and as, as a company, we um, decided that the first thing we need to do is focus on data integration and digital transformation. And how, would, how do we enable that? before we start adding on more software um, to as 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 a solution 
That, that's pretty awesome. I didn't know that you were at RTD. It's a small world, isn't it, Denver? <laughs> that's, uh, it that's, is. That's good to hear. Um, so quite the challenge uh, from, you know, from your innovation director. Uh, you know, let's kind of jump into the kind of the broader level question. You know, different people have different definitions of digital transformation. Uh, I would love to understand, you know, what does it mean at the Credit Union of Colorado? Like, what, how do you see digital transformation playing out there? So, as you can see, when you think of banking, you think of the brick and mortar, like the drive-through branches. And so what we realize is that with the digital age where our members, our population are growing demographically, uh, we're getting a lot more millennials and Z generations are coming up and smartphone, our members are getting more tech savvy. And that made us realize we need to meet, focus on the members, their needs. And that is to how do we digitally take our services to digitally and make it accessible at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. You don't necessarily need to go through a drive-through to dissipate your checks and whatnot. Um, so that was more of being member focused. We drive, we try to focus on what the needs and the needs just naturally take us to the, the digital rep, just like everything else. You know, think of Venmo and PayPal and all of that. And we realize we need to be there uh, to be more accessible, more flexible in how we service our members. Uh, and that's probably the, is what the biggest driving is accessibility to the money for yeah. our members. Yeah, that, that really makes sense. The whole industry is kind of going through somewhat of a disruption with all these, you know, Squire, Venmo, uh, very accessible type tech. And, uh, you know, if you, you, you know, being a credit union, you know, you guys have been around, banks have been around, and it's really want, you know, keep keeping up with that competition, the disruption that's happening and things like that, right? Um, you know, Absolutely. what are some, uh, you know, at this time of this interview, you know, obviously we're going through a pandemic, you know, what are some new ways that you see banks are adapting uh, to this economy in term, more in terms of member services, perhaps even you can speak about banking operations. And I'd like to understand, you know, if you can sharpen this a little bit further by saying what's the difference between what banks are doing and perhaps credit unions, which may not have the big budget that the banks have, you know, how would you see that? Um, so uh, I know there's a, it's a fully loaded question, but kind of maybe you start with how banks are adapting and then how is credit union kind of following suit to that? And I really, you know, FinTech. FinTech is driving that disruption, right? Of, of having money flow in and out globally and how do you access it quickly? And the big, like you, you alluded to the bigger banks, uh, I call them too big to fail um, concept and they have bigger budgets so they, they can be, you know, able to spend a lot of money and driving the initiative much quicker. Uh, whereas credit union, we are really have a much smaller budget. So we have to really be thoughtful and intentional, like what, what services right now bring the greatest value. And with COVID-19 um, is we also have to take a look at a branch operations, the drive-through, 
it has, we realized that was, it's huge. And how do you um, close on a loan through, through a drive-thru? So we've been, we're closing loans through drive-thru, we're notarizing wow. documents, we're doing a virtual, you know, um, no, 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 no notarizations of documents and time, like what other application, other technology software can we use to allow us to do this virtually? And we're looking at um, chat box, we're looking at analytics applications, things like that, that would help our call centers, as well as when we get call, can we help the the member through the phone versus having them come into the branch office. And with that part of digital transformation for us, it was like, hey, which projects do we take on first? What would drive, you know, that would start as that journey of, of taking our services, um, you know, through the mobile. Um, and so with that, you know, with a smaller team, we have to be work with the business to understand what we take on um, is really is, is, is that drive the member value. For example, right now, one of the project where we, when we started this, we did the RFP process and we realized that we're not a software team. So we have to find a tool that does most of the heavy lifting from a code perspective. And we just focus on the process, the value proposition for the member when we're architecting the solution. So we ended with a Boomi, uh, which is more of a uh, drag and top concept, low code, no code. And, and that allowed us to hire, uh, we don't necessarily need to, to, you know, to have a full t- a software team, we can hire at different levels and bringing them in and learn the tool and, and designing that. So that's, so that drove a lot of our decision in terms of the value proposition, what, and also the op from an operation preview as well as how, you know, how much money so, do we have and to spend. Um, member value services, right? So, you know, creating that member value, um, products and services, and also the internal banking operations. Uh, that has to adapt to this economy. You know, when you have a situation like this, obviously there are many things that are, you know, that are, that have attend, that draw your attention. Um, As somewhat as a product manager and an enterprise application delivery, from a delivery standpoint, how do you create a roadmap uh, you know, what, what are the key components that you would, you know, create as a product manager, create that roadmap and say, how do you prioritize? What are some frameworks or guidelines you've used? So roadmap, we try to understand the bulk, what a credit union, we have an annual process that we planned, um, which include the executives, senior management, all the way down to uh, managers and we 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 each areas their bold steps of what they want to do and then we as through consensus building uh, we determine which are the top bold steps we want to take so as a product owner and product manager of a middleware you know my my role is to go and really understand the bold step meet with the business to understand the the solution we're trying to get to to bring that to for for the, the value 
to meet the needs of the member and then go back and, and technically analyze and say, what do we need to do to build that integration pieces and start creating, drafting that goal, that, the roadmap to match the business initiatives. And through this process, what we really understand is that before we even can put all this application integrate, we need a common denominator of how do you tie all this application back to one member with, with, with security in mind. Um, so we have to create a, 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 what we call, my team call a, a member token, which is a unique number identifier to a member. And that is generated through you know, some um, encryption values that we use. And then we, that becomes the common denominator for us to integrate to all the systems. So we're in the, in the process of building that. And that was then is the, the first brick in all of this, um, um, the digital formation, you know, foundation that we're building. And, and so that we know, so from a value position, we know that's needed. And then from there on, we just take on projects. Once they get approved, um, we start to build out the integration for that. That makes sense. Um, so, you know, you're kind of creating the building blocks from a foundation of security, starting with that, building the digital token, right? And then creating value member, member services and uh, value around that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like each of them have their own agenda and priorities. It's definitely a balancing act as well as you know what is going to drive most value for the, for the credit union for the members like cuz you have to be always external facing you know uh, and driving that value right uh, like you even talked a little bit about closing loans through the drive through like and i i feel like credit unions are being smaller or more suited to be able to operate that way and move faster than bigger banks like perhaps Wells Fargo or others, um, you know. Yeah. Right, yep. Um, we, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I, I said you're, you're right because we, we have opportunity to pivot because a lot of projects we can reprioritize quickly and be more agile. So we don't have, you know, like once we commit doesn't necessary, if we you can agile, like you, you plan ahead, but then you iteratively check in, right? To say, are we, are this is still on track. If it's not, then what, what changes we need to make. And so in that sense, you're right, with a smaller organization, you're able, you know, with process in place, you can easily pivot through that. So that segues to perfectly to my next question. Um, I've seen your background on LinkedIn and you also played product management roles and you're a big agile practitioner. Um, so with that, um, you know, I, I admire folks like, Melissa Perry, who's a, you know, who's a big proponent of product management. Uh, she's written a book called The Build Trap. Uh, you know, she raises some very important challenges on the agile side uh, that, she, you know, she, her claim is agile sometimes enables teams to build the wrong product faster uh, because now they're kind of iterating and incrementally building stuff really fast. And, you know, they finally produce something that nobody wants. Um, so this is more a general question, you know, like as a <laughs> practitioner of both 
product management and agile, I think you're the right person to ask, like, how do you maintain that balance between product management and agile software delivery? Uh, you know, more, more specifically, I'm kind of understanding, trying to understand how do you focus more on the outcomes, um, you know, rather than just kind of end, ending up some building some shelfware. Oh, no, great, great question. In fact, my team, we, um, we had this very similar challenge discussion this week, because you know, when you're doing software, the, the, the developer, we're so, they're focused on just the email outcome, right? And, and whereas product management, you have to do roadmap. You have to think, how's this product gonna meet the business needs? Like you said, you don't wanna build something, uh, you know, that it's not gonna be used and become a shelfware. And we can't afford to do that because we're too small of an organization because if we make, if we're on the wrong path, it huge impact because we have to do trade-off decisions. Why do we build now? Why do we forego? Because we only have so much money, resource, and people you know, to work on this. And so I, I, I will, there, there are some meetings. I'm wearing the product manager hat, going out to understand what the business needs, bring it back, and then go back to make, be part of the agile planning team. And, and then my team have to say, well, which hat are you wearing, Lynn? Are you the project owner or you're my boss's boss, <laughs> right? And so it, it can get confusing. So I'm like, no, I am the product owner. And here are the things we need to build, right? For this product to meet the needs. Cause I've gone out and did a survey with the business and what we need. And we have, so then I, I work with a scrum master and say, okay, this prioritizes the making sure we meet the deadline. So I, I, I need to understand a commitment date on this particular feature we're doing so I can come back and communicate to the business when to expect this and what they're, you know, how, and how do we fit in the big picture of projects and our, like, then so we're also competing, you know, like you said, organization competing for our resources. And then I have to go, okay, folks, this is what we're doing this sprint. This is what we're doing. This is what we can't do because we have to do some kind of trade-off. So it's a very complex because we have, we're one team and we're doing operation support as well as digital you know, solution, which is road mapping work for the product. Um, so it, yeah, it, it can get complex, but I think because of the size we are, we can't afford to build something that you know, is not usable. Um, so we're constantly working with the business. We have to be a partnership with the business and then making sure that my team, the, the agile team, the development team is doing the right thing. And agile is great because it allows us to revalue things in sprints. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. I, I think the key thing is, uh, like you said, have the product owner having a pulse on the agile team to shape those outcome-driven initiatives um, and focusing more on those outcomes rather than we're just going to go out and build this, these digital capabilities and you know going by a formula set formulated set of things that might be more pie in the sky type items. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Because like and the, the advantage is small because I wear multiple hats. I can pivot fast. The team. But at the same time, being there's so much comfort, like each roles bring its own interests, right? You bring in, so it can get a little bit confusing as well at the same time. <laughs> Very complex. 
roadmap initiatives, maybe if you can kind of tell us a little bit of the rationing or the reasoning behind rationalization behind it, why you picked up these perhaps for the three, six months or one year, you know, what does that look like and why did you guys go with that approach? I am interrupting this engaging conversation to tell you about ModeStack, a digital product agency that makes this podcast possible. Struggling with staff and not sure how to get ahead? Keep hearing about the cloud and how it can change your team? Have an application that you invested lots of money and haven't seen growth? These are all questions that our team has worked on answering for years. Learn more at themodestack.com. Let's get back to the show. So, um, right immediately we are building that foundation i had alluded to the member token um and then in our roadmap we've we're we got a landing application that we are implementing for actually both sides of the uh the mortgage landing as well as is the um the indirect we call them indirect learnings like car dealerships and things like that and and we've got, um, and then documents. So think of, you know, all these documents that are related to our members, checks and things like that. So are, those are the three big initiatives that is on their next, I would say, some of them are currently going and some of them are in the works. So that's, I would say about a 12 month initiatives we're at right now that we as an organization have voted it on that is what we want to take on for 2020 and 2021, beginning of 2021. So our role is driven a lot by the business initiatives, but at the same time, they're also little, they don't necessarily, I call them they're smaller, they're not boulders work, but they're smaller um, size um, that we need to be aware of that the business still needs to do. Um, so and I go in and say, okay, what are those items and build a roadmap in that? and then prioritize against the big boulder and see where it would go. Um, so it, it really is the value drives a lot of our work, but at the same time, we wanna make sure that the operation of folks uh, business also have their needs meet. And then we try to weave things through and make it happen um, being sometimes projects can go fast, right? And then you, you hands on deck to get it done and then it slows face when it's slow, that's when we bring in more of the operational side. So we have two type of roadmaps that we, we try to work on form and plan every three weeks is our planning cycle of within the development team. So every three weeks we, we evaluate what, what we take on for that three weeks. Now, um, is, are there, you know, you, we kind of talked a little bit about the initiatives and the roadmaps are there bigger goals like growth, you know, like, is there, are there any mission statements for 2021 that you are trying to accomplish, you know, more like sea level, perhaps they're saying like, Hey, our goal should be growth and talent, acquiring talent. You know, do you have goals like that? Absolutely. Um, that, that's one of the reason why we're the fifth, biggest credit union because we're growing. Um, last year, we acquired uh, a credit union out in Durango. Um, so we were able to expand our services to Durango. We opened a branch on Highlands branch. And now we're looking at, um, we're in the process of preparing to open a branch out in Broomfield. Um, so when opportunity comes, we do look for membership growth. And, and part of it is, is, is you know, reassess 
the convenience accessibility of drive-through and then how do we can we expand our membership without expanding the brick and mortar through the digital transformation and 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 we are and i want to brag a little bit but um we are one of the few credit union who are on this initiative of middleware in colorado so we're kind of disrupting a little bit, you know, bringing the forefront of technologies to, to, to Colorado credit unions. Um, and so it's, 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 it's exciting. Sure, um, sure. That, that really is right. I mean, with your uh, low code approach um, and the orchestration with uh, Del Boomi, you're actually trailblazing, you're a trailblazer um, in that sense to break ground in that space where not many people, not many financial institutions, I mean, traditionally they've seen, they're seen more as lagging and laggards and, you know, in the, in, from a technology adapt, adoption standpoint, obviously because of, re, you know, compliance, regula regulatory requirements, security and all of those, um, that kind of pulls them, pulls, you know, it's weighing them down uh, a little bit, but that's, that's pretty cool that you're, you guys are, uh, pioneering uh, and trailblazing in that space. Um, you know, when you, obviously life is not all great and, you know, fine and dandy. <laughs> you know, I want to talk a little bit about uh, some challenges, uh, you know, as you presented this roadmap, you know, to the executive team, leadership team, what were some of the objections? What were some of the challenges? Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. Good question. Um, I think when you think of digital transformation, people think it's a technology-driven solution. Like IT owns it. Uh, we're we're just an enabler with Dell Boomi. Digital transformation is a, a, a organization-wide initiative. So a lot of involved culture change, organization change, you know, process people and technology. So though you have to able to balance all of that in order to be successful. So, you know, getting the technology in, and then there's also the learning curve. Um, the challenge right now is even though it's low code, no code, but being in banking, our, our, our needs, uh, our technical needs has not been as, as complex as other. So our, our work's been modifying a customizing application versus developing from scratch. So here with middleware, we have to build things from, so we're builders now, we're not modifiers, right? We're builders. So which is a different mindset than when you're modifying code or adding, code, right? So we're building things from scratch. So that's the challenges is it's how you take a team that has been operating this area now is to get them to make that change that that technology change so there's a learning curve there and and so we've decided um to bring in some outside help and coaching training versus bringing a team in and just build it and then we have to learn how it's done so that was the approach we have but that also comes challenges the pace right yes. um it's much slower and now we're like, we have to assess, do we need to go faster? Where, you know, how do we do it so that we can start, we, we got the foundation, we got things built. So now do we need to go a faster base to meet up the, all this, this funnel work that's coming in so we can get more done. So that's kind of where we're at is like, 
money from a cost perspective and a budget and then the speed in which one we want to deliver so that's kind of where we're at assessing right now and working with the business to assess how fast do we move or how are we okay with what we're doing um and the other part is the culture it's we need to build a close relationship with the business to, so they understand the 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 compl- understand the value. I think we understand the value middleware, but the the process around uh, that need like from how we how do we roll out projects? How do we how much timing do we build in to build these APIs for these integrations versus system configuration that you're done right now? You have to think through like how much time do you have to build in and. And is, are the dates like? Can we meet those dates? So, it is. It's definitely. Uh, you know, I think culture change processes. You have to look at all of that as part of the whole digital transformation initiatives. And I think that was the big challenge: is how you get everybody in together and 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 we roam the boat together, right, from the business as well as 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 the technology team. So it's. Yeah, it's so tricky. definitely what you're talking about here is at least, um, you know, culture, culturally, how do you communicate across the business and your internal IT team? Uh, you know, how, what are the changes we are bringing about? Um, and then the next is the change management side of things, right? You know, how do we roll out these changes um, as a new way of doing business, you know? you know, how do we roll that out? Um, so that, that's that's pretty amazing that you're, that, that is indeed a challenge. Uh, you know, when I talk with other digital practitioners on this show, um, it's a common theme uh, that I hear. Um, last My last interview was with the CIO of a mortgage uh, brokerage firm, and he had the same sort of uh, challenge. Um, I, I feel like there's somewhat of a pattern uh, that, that you know, we are seeing with some of these initiatives. Uh, perhaps DevOps could be a good initiative that could help, right? Um, uh, but yeah, there, there are, you know, that's one of the solutions, but obviously it's not a silver bullet, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's co- great to hear that. And thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. And we actually just started DevOps concept as well. So we're bringing more of the uh, administrators and we're, we're uh, in fact, we've got a couple of roles that we um, have right now open, like the admin, uh, an enterprise admin, but I also have a release management deployment manager. So they work closely with the development team um, to deploy the code. So that way they know what's going on as part when we roll this, they can support it and they're part of the team versus two teams. So you're, we are adopting some of that concept, but like anything else, it's new. You know, right. these are new concepts and how you work, what are the roles and responsibility? And that is actually a constant conversation. We always have like, let's revisit the roles and responsibility and, and did, what gaps do we have? Are there roles we miss and can we, add in more headcounts to fulfill that role if not who wants to wear this hat <laughs> like who wants to wear another hat <laughs> <laughs> always the case uh you know the industry itself you know software development industry i would say itself has embraced it where people do have to wear multiple hats no longer is a developer just writing code 
a developer has to somewhat play a little bit of scrum master role or help he, him or her. Um, and then also, you know, do a little bit of product management. You can't just be focused sitting in your cubicle and writing code, right? Or, you know, do some DevOps activities. Um, so definitely. Now, um, kind of more broader questions, Lynn. Um, you know, what would be some advice that you would give uh, to digital transformation practitioners out there? I, I think the the tools, I think is very important. It depends on the, um, the size of your organizations and the, and the focus you want to bring. Do you, um, when you're looking for vendors you work with, you want partnerships. Same thing with the tool. Because uh, you want a partnership if something goes wrong, they you know you can work with them versus you just being a subscription. Because we are or SaaS as well. That's part of the digital transformation. Is we're going more, we're using more cloud computing technologies and SaaS solutions. So we we want we wanted to move away from from on prime hosting and more SaaS solutions. So that was part of our criteria. And so we can focus more on the technology versus the infrastructure uh, maintenance. Um, so I think those are questions you need to ask as you're going through this journey is, do we want to maintain this in-house? Do we go SaaS? Do we go SaaS? Uh, how do we like low code? Is that more of our initiative or we want to do something more, a more heavier coded type of application? And then really spend your time vetting out uh, the uh, the uh, the vendors. So we actually did prototyping. Uh, we had during our FE process, we utilized Gardner uh, um, uh, Quadrant to help us select the ones we want. And then our top three, we had we brought them in. We did prototyping, and we really went through three full days of due diligence with each one of them and bring, I, we bought in developers, they can get in, play with the tool and say, can you support this? So buy-in is very important um, with the developer because at the end of the day, they're the ones gonna be using the tool. And also with the business, because we, there are some components that we wanna do, which is um, process workflows that we wanna build in applications. And that was huge for us. They wanna automate a lot of their processes so we want to look like how strong a workflow does this tool have a workflow that we can bolt on and work on so that also drive our requirements so the business requirements when you're going through this should be considered in the process because at the end of the day we're enabling their solution um and and part of the business case um is not only shown roi but really making sure that everybody understand the value of the tool and getting down, like, what is this going to buy us um, in terms of solutioning uh, for, 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 for digital solution? What does digital solution is? What, how, how does it relate to you and your business? What value does it bring? I think that is very important to show that um, as part of, of the implementation phase. But along the way, you constantly have to move to a product management mode and trying to listen to, so help you do the road mapping and, 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 and having considering the process behind it and how do you gonna support that? It's, it's so my, my thing is, it's like, you have to look at it through a very holistic view 
and it's just Absolutely. not a technology to be successful. Absolutely. So I think that would be my, my advice. Great partnerships, look at your process, get buy-in, get support uh, all from top and bottom down and, and, and just having a lot of conversations. Yeah, I mean, we do, uh, uh, my company does a lot of due diligence work and uh, I always say, you know, vendors should be partners. Now, um, you know, vendors come in many shapes and forms, right? You have the consulting partners who are providing staff and expertise. And then you have the SaaS partners who basically give you some licensed software. And then you have the cloud providers, uh, providers right? So there, those are the three types now it's very important, uh, you know, in our due diligence, what I, you know, when we create a playbook for them, what we say is everybody's sort of like looking out for themselves. You don't want those vendors creating fingerprints all over your architecture and then now you're locked in. Um, you know, we, we have this concept called SaaS hell where people buy a bunch of SaaS products and then they now don't, they don't talk to each other now you kind of created some environment of data silos um, and siloed systems. So it's very, I completely agree with you. I, th I think that's, uh, that's great advice um, to be diligent and approach it more holistically, like you said, and not get locked in. And now you, you're not able to change or move at the pace that you want maybe they'll up their license fees and you know those type of issues or you know cloud providers you're not able to move between aws to azure i mean i'm just kind of throwing an example but yeah. um, you know obviously that's um you know so that's that's certainly you know having the due diligence in place uh is is a great piece of advice um i i totally uh, agree with that and i i think that's there's a lot of value that uh, technical advisory companies can bring in there. Um, tell us a little bit about some events that you've attended in the past. Uh, you know, how is that going for you with the pandemic? Now everything's shifting online. What, what events do you usually attend? It's getting hard to attend events. You think it would be easier because you don't have to fly and travel, but we're finding out it's easier to fly and travel and attend events. Um, because then you're like, oh, I'll just take this meeting and, you know, put this on paw and holds and you know how that is. <laughs> totally, yes. Uh, so, it, Compass has been a challenging um, to do, but, you know, I try what right now, uh, we try to hit the, you know, the API middleware boomy. Um, so some of our team members attend the, those so we can understand the platform more and the capability. And then we're focusing more on data management and data governance, which we didn't really talk through, but it is so critical as part of integrations because we want to make sure that we define data sources, the truth of data and how we work with the BI team, the data warehouse team, um, and, and how you know to make sure the data is clean, it's the right thing. So we're learning that at the same time as well. It, as well as digital transformation. So we're all like drinking from a fire hose, like, oh my gosh, we need, we need to learn about data management and data governance. So let's do that. <laughs> and let's attend those and try to incorporate in what we're doing. Um, so, you know, so we, we, I have to say right now, we're very focused on, on um, data governance and data management, as well as the API component, any information, any conferences, you know, that we, um, that we see and we have time to make for, we, we do attend those. 
Um, so I, I would also, you know, if you're doing digital transformation, you really need to have a conversation about data uh, with right. your data team. Uh, data management, data governance, it's all feeds into like eventually it's gone to one path. Yep. Uh, so the sooner you have that conversation, the, the easier it is um, when you're actually starting to architect the data. Do you, the, do you have any events on the data governance or data management side uh, that coming up uh, online or anything that you can recommend our listeners? Um, so if you, uh, if you sign up for uh, Dama, which is a, a data, it's kind of like PM book, yeah, uh, Dama book. They, if you, if you, I would suggest if you're leading that, go in there, subscribe in there, and and work. If you don't have a data governance team, work with your data, get one going. And the guidebook is amazing. We we use, I use that a lot to to help drive some of the era of focus and data governance and data management conversations. And why once you're doing that, you're, you, ha you have an opportunity to register for an invocation. And so now I get a lot of, of invitations from that. And then um, CEOlytics um, is, is another one that you can subscribe. And they, we just had a conference. I was able to attend a one or two, uh, but it's a three all week conference for Credit Union Pacific for data analytics. And they do talk a lot about digital transformation, data management, data governance. Um, Perfect. Um, what are some other resources? I, I think you've mentioned a lot right here, but is are there any resources like podcasts or YouTube channels or you know publications, articles do you, that you would recommend for uh, digital transformation leaders or PAC practitioners? Get to know how to do API. <laughs> I understand like the microservices, architecture services, like it's so critical to understand like the best practice. How do you build, like avoid the traps, right? How do you build API so you can reusable and, 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 and not just focus like one piece, right? Cause like the concept, the, the, the synergy the, the, that you get from is the reusable part. Cause you're, you know, in theory, um, you should like the deployment time, like it should go down as you're adding more API and then because you're reusing it. And it's harder than you think when you start sitting down architecting like, okay, how to make this so it's reusable and can we make this scalable? Can we, and then where's the business layer underneath? So I, I like, I'm not a developer. <laughs> uh, I just don't have attention to detail to be one, but I'm like reading development books so I can understand like, okay, what resources do I need to bring to help my team do this? Um, and so there, I think there is one, I thought he did a good job is, um, it's from, from, from developer to architect. Okay. And he's got podcasts, he's got books and um, he's in the data architect uh, speakers uh, okay. circuits. So I, I attend actually last year, I attended a conference that was in Florida um, and was a data architect. Um, and, and I just sat there and just for a week, just listened to what everybody's saying, asked a lot of questions, kind of give me an idea, like what I'm getting myself into. Um, and like, you know, what I'm looking for when I'm looking at hiring consultants to come in and help us or you know, our set resources, what is that we need, where our gaps are. Um, so highly recommend really getting 
your your team and understanding microservices uh, is so important because if you're transitioning from FTP services for integrations, right, point to point and back in this is, is really a shift in thinking. Yep. And so you have to come constantly reminding yourself, what is it you're trying to do? What's the, what's the end goal? That's awesome. So um, I know, Lynn, we can talk about these for hours. Um, I think we're at the end of the hour here. Um, really great chatting with you about all the thing, wonderful things that you're do, doing at the Credit Union. Uh, we'd love to have you back again uh, for another in-depth look and see where you guys are, perhaps in a, you know, in a couple of months. Uh, but thank you for coming on the show, Lynn. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really enjoyed this conversation. So, likewise. And it was a pleasure.